0: Shoutcast, brought to you by and Welcome to the Puck and Hostel Shoutcast, Episode Two. Uh, Gatekeeper or Oz here with Patrick Stankus once again from uh, PuckRant.com, and uh, you can find him at at Patrick underscore Stankis on Twitter. And you can find his articles, or Blackhawks articles, on uh, puckrant.com. How are you, Pat?
1: Uh, pretty good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, No problem. It's, uh, we had a good time last time, so I figured we better uh, keep the momentum and keep it rolling. So, so been...
1: the, Momentum is the key word nowadays in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, it's Monday night. Um... It's been about two weeks since we did our last one. Uh, let's see. Uh, we had Blues, Blues, uh, the games against the Blues, number 4, 5, and 6. And then uh, Minnesota games, 1 and 2. So that's a lot we have to talk about here. Um, <clears throat> I guess uh, we can get right into things a little bit here. Actually, before we get to the games, uh, there were a couple things, a couple developments Recently. The, one, uh, the first one I'll bring up, which I didn't put in with our notes, um, the old Kevin Hayes subject. Uh, apparently recently um, there were some articles floated by uh, uh, I guess it was Scott Powers at ESPN or something. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Hayes now has backed off on his I Won't Sang with the Blackhawks. And they have... Talked, let's put it that way. From what Scott Powers has said, I don't know to what extent they've talked, but they claim that they're not as against signing with the Blackhawks as they were. Which sounds like a huge backpedal to me. I'm sure it does to you too.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it is what it is. I guess we're never going to know the real story. Uh, they, I guess, they did even mention, from what I heard. Um, They did even mention the whole Jimmy Hayes subject and said that, um, they did a huge backpedal on that and said that, uh, they thought that they treated Jimmy very well here. (laughs) Whatever.
1: That's a total
0: 180 from what, uh, you know, what we heard before. Yeah. Yeah. Here, I I have a little something for that one, right? (laughs) Yeah, that fits perfect right there. Uh you know whatever it is what it is I mean if you lose them you lose them if you don't you don't at this point in time I don't think anyone really no one was really even looking for you know when is the next uh, Kevin Hayes sighting going to be so
1: you know, (laughs) I think he was probably at least two to three years away anyways but with the lineup that you have now it's you know pretty difficult to think you're going to crack the lineup pretty soon so if he has the patience you know I don't mind him staying in Rockford for a little bit, but uh, I think it's all on him. If he has the patience and the want, you know, I think there could be a roster spot for him down the road. But much like uh, our new favorite Blackhawk, Ben Smith, you know, you just got to wait your turn and, you know, bide your time.
0: Yeah. I mean, at this point, everyone's kind of almost written him off, and he's turning into a footnote and a joke at this point. But we'll see what happens. I mean, who knows? From day, you know, things can change day to day, and obviously, you know, this is a prime example of that. So, we'll just, uh, it is what it is, but that's what the latest news is on him. Uh, other Hawks prospects, uh, Tevu. <laughs> Good old Tevu, the savior. Couldn't even I like be real sa- yesterday, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, couldn't even be the savior for Team Finland, um, <laughs> for the Worlds, or whatever. um. So I mean, he got cut for whatever reason. Who knows? I mean, <clears throat> like it or not, he was probably one of the better players on the team. So the fact that they cut him it's kind of funny because I can't think of any reason why you would have cut him.
1: But, the only thing I could think of is that you know I, I didn't get a chance to see the all uh, junior championships in in December, but you know I read what you know the reports and everything and. My always my big thing about Terravine is everybody said he was you know, fantastic in that tournament, and then you know, the big issue I had is he's playing against people that are his size, and I wanted to see what he could do against players that were his size, and it seems like it's going to be a little bit of adjustment period, and you know, like I said, there's no shame in riding a year or two in Rockford just to get ice time and accustomed to more physical style of play, and I think that's what's going to hurt you know hurt him right right now.
0: Yeah. Well, it's at this point in time, who knows? With the way Ben Smith's been playing, he, he, he could have lost some ground. Absolutely. So so that's that. He's you know, he's been caught from the finish team. Who knows what they're gonna do with him they're gonna bring him bring him back over here and you know, let him sit and watch with the uh rest of the black aces or what they're gonna do, I don't know at this point in time, so
1: Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea, but you know, well, as long as he's got the frequent flyer miles, but you know, I wouldn't mind him coming back over here just as you know a deep deep insurance policy if something were to happen, but I don't think he'll he'll be playing again the rest of the year
0: no 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 if if we see Tabu playing with the blackhawks there's, there's a big problem yeah, there's something really, really going wrong, so yeah. and uh so that's that as far as, uh, prospects and things like that and other news. There hasn't really been much around the organization, so, um, <clears throat> I guess we'll start back, we'll start from, uh, Blues game four, um, oh, geez, if we can even remember what happened back then. <laughs> uh, you know, the Hawks were, uh, the Hawks are down 2-1 in the series, uh, they had just shut out the Blues, right, in Game 3. Mm-hmm. Game 4 came. Um was another overtime game. Um, let's see. Some of the stuff that happened in that game. Um, this, I guess, towards the end of the game and in overtime, was the start of the Ben Smith at second line center era. Um, somewhere.
1: Uh, I would de- I would definitely say that that is a another one of those Quinville type you know juggable line things. I don't think it's a long term solution, but for right now, whatever's working for you, you stick with it, and uh, I got no complaints with it right now. It's working out pretty good.
0: No, I mean he's he's done what he needs to do, and, and towards the end of the season, he was taking uh, a lot of uh, Kruger's face off, so face offs aren't really an issue. Uh, his face off stats, I guess, uh, I would have to look at him collectively, but. I know they're not, uh, from what I've seen, game to game, aren't that bad. Uh, He's seemed to gel pretty well so far. I mean, at that time, at that game, we really didn't know what we were getting. It was kind of more like a, wow, all of a sudden, Ben Smith's playing center on the second line, and Hansus is playing fourth line center. Um,
1: Yeah, that was, uh, I think those two are kind of, it's similar to last year, I would say, you know, with um, juggling Bolin and Hansus back and forth. I just think there is a little bit of a drop-off between, you know, a Dave Bowen and, and a Ben Smith. But the thing I like about Ben Smith is he's got that, that will and want to continue to play, and he knows he's fighting for ice time. And this time of year, a guy like that is very valuable to your team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ben Smith's done it before. I mean, he had that playoff run in, uh, what is it, 2011, yep. It was pretty much his rookie year. Um you know, against Vancouver, he had a couple goals. You know, he, he was the Cinderella guy, and that was when uh, Jesse Rogers at the time just jumped on his back and was like, "Oh, this is the guy. This is the guy." You would have almost thought his name was Tevu. <laughs> but uh, you know, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I mean, more happened since then, but that was the start of the Ben Smith era at second line center. Um, that was the game, uh, the second game in a row where Max L- Max Lop- Penis loaf, uh, or a of Lucky Pierre um, had hit, uh, took a cheap shot on uh, Sheldon Brookbank for the second game in a row. So that you know, I mean, we all know what he is. He's a douche.
1: I think that's that's the thing about LaPierre is you know he doesn't have the talent to be you know a consistent NHL scorer. The only way he's going to make highlights is trying to bait people into a stupid penalty. The problem is for LaPierre is there really isn't anybody that's stupider than him in the NHL. So when you do get, you know, a guy like him to try and get under your skin, if you frustrate, if you don't bite in into hip what he's trying to, you know, get you into, he's the one who, you know, cracks under the pressure. We saw it in Vancouver. We even saw it in Montreal when he was there. It's just the guy really doesn't have a purpose on a team other than I'm going to, you know, eat up fourth-line minutes and, you know, try to make a name for myself. But the highlight for me in, I think it was game two, um, there's a post-whistle scrum, and I think Seabrook came after him, and he took a couple swings at him. And then next thing you know, that was after the linesman had already jumped in, and then he wanted to fight. So it's like, you know, the guy's, he doesn't have the guts to to throw down with anybody, and it, that's all his purpose was to try and get Brookbank to bite into a penalty, and to credit to Brookbank, he didn't do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that reminds me of another uh, penis loaf, Danny Heatley, who pulled the same BS in uh, in the last game, but uh, we'll get we'll get to that later. Um, speaking of, uh, that's a good segue too, uh, speaking of Sheldon Brookbank, um, I don't think we could have asked any more out of the guy in the time that he filled in for Seabrook. I mean, second
1: year in a row, he's done it. it yeah, He can't. This is this is why I consider hockey the ultimate team sport. That seventh guy, seventh defenseman, thirteenth forward, when called upon, you need to be ready. And for the second straight year, Brookbank was ready to play.
0: Yeah, and you know, based on his regular season, he didn't uh, give us much uh, inspiration to think that we were going to see anything special out of him. But he went out there. He didn't screw up. He, you know, he filled in when he was thrown out there. He didn't do anything, you know, incredibly stupid, which he could have very well done. And uh, hey, that's three games. I mean, they won all three games. So,
1: yeah, Seabrook's an overrated defenseman though,
0: right? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he'll be the next guy that's going to be traded for Ryan Miller. Yeah, <laughs> or well, Ryan Kessler at this point, just just another yeah. Ryan. Yeah, Kessler's
1: still on my wish list, but there's a you know select number of players I would even think about dealing for him but that's another topic too for another day
0: yeah we'll get I'm sure we'll get to that too we'll touch on that a little bit um, so uh, uh, Lafierre, uh then we had that was the game uh, Steve Ott grabbed uh, Michael <laughs> Hansus and uh, tried to get him to fight which was hilarious because Hansus had no interest in fighting this guy and uh, Steve Ott just got him like around the collar just yanking on him trying to get him to you know, trying to get him to fight. And I'm like, what are you doing, you idiot? I mean, he just, him and LaPierre, and they just fit in with the, the douchebags on that team. They're just idiots.
1: The only difference I'd say between Ott and LaPierre is I actually wouldn't mind Steve Ott on my team, but if he's not on my team, I can't stand the guy. I mean, I, I really cannot stand him.
0: Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he's, but, he's, he's, he is Andrew Shaw. Absolutely. I mean, he does have think,
1: a little bit of scoring touch, uh, unlike Lapierre.
0: Yeah, but I think actually Andrew Shaw is better than Steve Ott. He, he seems, to, you know, sort a better purpose at, um, for what the Hawks need. But I think with Steve Ott, he uh, he comes unhinged too easily, and I think uh, Quenville has reeled in Andrew Shaw enough so while he still does get unhinged, he doesn't get unhinged quite to the Steve Ott. Uh, level, because Steve odd you I know, mean, I mean, when he gets unhinged, there's no one stopping him. I mean, you'd actually have to physically get out on the ice and grab him and pull him off the ice. Yeah. Because he just flips a switch, or as I like to call him, Steve the Pirate, because he looks like uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> he looks like the pirate from uh, from Dodgeball, because they are identical. They are identical.
1: I did see that picture, and that was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, someone someone sent that to me, and I and I ran with it because it was a, <laughs> it was uncanny how how similar they look. I mean, you couldn't even hardly tell them apart at some at some of those pictures. But uh, so yeah, that was uh, uh, the Hawks won Game Four. Um, move down to Game Five. Game Five is where Ben Smith really started getting into the mix and playing more regular shifts. Um, he had a goal in Game 5, uh, which was very similar to the one he had against Vancouver um, in, what, 2011. Yep. Like a little backhand floater over uh, Ryan Miller's blocker side. And, uh, hey, he's performing. He's I- I'm not going to complain right now because... Anything's better than Zeus at this point in time, playing uh, you know five on five.
1: I think we, for Zeus we can't you know discount his penalty killing, but like you said, five on five, there's really not much gas left in the tank for him. And you know Ben Smith, like you said, it, you know he's doing a great job. There there can't really be a complaint towards him. You know he's not going to be a guy who's going to give you a highlight real goal. He's just going to be your He's kind of like a smaller version of Andrew Shaw. You know, he's going to give you the ugly goals, the depth, you know, now a center position, you know. Uh, so there's really no complaints
0: going down the road with him. No. No, I mean, you yeah. we'll take what we can get. We'll take what we can get. Uh, so um, that was the game that, uh, for some reason, in overtime, they leave Jonathan Tays wide open at center ice for a stretch pass to come in on a breakaway and win the game, which was beautiful.
1: I think the only thing that missing, missing from that bad defensive change by the Blues was somebody taking the role of Vinan and tripping everybody when they are coming over the boards, because that was one of the worst defensive changes I've ever seen, to leave a guy like Taves like that wide open. You know, the, the Hawks caught a lucky break on the bounce, but it, still, in the playoffs, it's inexcusable to to have a lapse like that.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're a Hawks fan and you see uh, number 19 with a breakaway in overtime, you know that's money. Yeah. You know it's money. And the Blues, I mean, there there's a picture. Um, if you look at my recap, the actual picture is the same picture that I'm talking about. And on my recap, uh, you look at the crowd behind Taves after he uh, – after he scored the goal, and he's you know he's going up the boards and kind of celebrating, and you could see the Blues fans with their head, they had their heads or you know their heads in their hands, and it was just classic. It was I, that's why I use that picture because you look at it and you just like they're shaking their heads, they got their heads down. One guy's got his head in his hands, and it's like and, two, and there's another guy standing there with both hands on his head, like just like oh my god, I can't believe that just happened.
1: Yeah, it's it's just it's uh probably we would say mind-boggling that something like that can happen in the playoffs, but you know, it's I'll take it as a Blackhawks fan, that's for sure.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, what the game before that was uh was the Kane overtime goal, I believe. Yep. Yeah. So twice in a row, the big money players for the Hawks just make the Blues pay, and it. it the ass hurt after that game was just incredible. Because twice yep. in a row they've been burned. And, you know, the Hawks have been burned in the first two games by, you know, they could have went either way. The Hawks could have won the first two games and the Blues could have won the second two games if the way things were going. So, my, or, my it thoughts, been four, or it could have been a, a sweep either way.
1: Yeah, my thoughts were that, exactly. With you know, The way the game went in first two games went in St. Louis, the Hawks could have been easily up 2-0. And then... You know, I'm a Corey Crawford critic. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan. I also don't hate the guy, but you know, he is what he is in my view. And without him, it's a different story. I think the Hawks could definitely be, could be done by now if it wasn't for
0: him. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's, uh especially lately he stepped up and uh, making gonna... me look like an
1: idiot. That's for sure.
0: Wow, well, he's making a lot of people look like idiots, but. Um, I will say, and I said it in my my most recent recap, but I'll bring it up now since we're talking about it, um, we're due for a Corey Crawford stinker.
1: Absolutely.
0: We are due for a stinker. Now, that being said, um, Corey Crawford has had stinkers, and the Hawks have pulled those games out before. So I'm not going to say the Hawks are going to lose because of Corey Crawford, but he's up for one of those games that, you know, you know, he only sees 18 shots, 22 shots, whatever. He gives up three or four goals. It, it, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen against Minnesota because the way the rate they're going right now, they're lucky if they can put two goals in the net, no matter who's playing that. So... But,
1: I would say the closest we've had to a Corey Crawford stinker-type game would be game two against the Blues. And even though he took responsibility, I didn't even think he was that bad in that game. I mean you know, a bounce here and there. It's, you know, it's an overtime game. It's it's one of those that can go either way.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, no complaints on Crawford, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, that was, so that was game five. Uh, I mean, that was just condensed notes that I had on that one. Um, Game six was the clincher. Um... uh, Let's see. Uh, Seabrook made made his return that game and came right out and assisted on the first goal. It actually looked like he might have scored that goal, but uh, after uh, looking at the replay, it was tipped. But he ended up with uh, two assists that game and he was a plus three on the night. So there's, you know, <laughs> Mr. Overrated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came back to the lineup and, uh, you know, he he contributed right away, right away. Yep, he-
1: you got you got to love those five million dollar uh, defensemen that you know are overrated, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, nowadays, look at look, look at some of these contracts that are going out five million dollars isn't so bad. Yeah, how's that Tyler Myers contract over <sighs> Buffalo? Yeah, and what was it? Uh, uh, the new Andy McDonald was it Andy oh, McDonald? Yeah, that was a generous That's generous contract. contract too. Yeah. I mean, you if you if you got to you know if I have to choose one between Seabrook and McDonald, I mean.
1: I'll take Ciro. Yeah,
0: exactly. Even though I said they should have traded him two years ago too. <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, he made his uh, he made his return, and uh, obviously it went well. Uh, Crawford had another huge game. Um, you know he he holds them he holds them in there long enough for them to open up. I guess the way it is because they don't you know they. They Haven't really been opening up these games early, you know, coming out with a three goal first period or anything like that. None of these games have, have been that way.
1: It, um, it almost seems to me like the, especially in the Minnesota series, when you go to the intermission and the Wilder only down by one, they seem to like just get an extra boost of confidence that, hey, we're only down one. And, you know, then Crawford's got to stand on his head in the second period because, you know, the Wilder. In the the case of uh, game six, the Blues had, you know, all the momentum in the world, and Crawford, to his credit, he stood up and made the big saves when needed, something that he really hadn't done in the past.
0: Yeah. Um, This was the game the infamous. I mean, uh, I don't know if this will get overshadowed, but um, that second period they had where...
1: They tried to hand the Blues the game, basically? (laughs) Yeah,
0: They basically told the Blues, "Here, here's the game. Take it, go." And yeah. uh, what was it? Six power plays, something like that. I,
1: I believe it was three alone in the the second period. And Hosea had the double minor too. Was, I don't know how many times they could have tried to shoot themselves in the foot and just you know throw away the game with all the penalties. And they were just dumb penalties too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was brutal. I mean. At the time, the Hawks were the Hawks were up, I believe. and uh, But they just, you know, it was dumb penalty after dumb penalty after dumb penalty. And uh, the Blues just couldn't do anything on the power play. And I don't know if, yeah, the Hawks' penalty kill has been good. It hasn't been that good. No. I mean, the Blues' power play was terrible. It was just god-awful. Um. good, you know, good for them, <laughs> the way I see it, just good for them, because, you know, nothing's better than watching the Blues suck.
1: Yeah. It's been a while since we could say that come with a playoff series with the Blues, and it, I think now the nastiness is back between the, the two teams just because they finally have met in the playoffs. They, you know, they had the division rivalry going, but the thing that was missing to me was always that playoff rivalry. Now, now you have that. Both teams got the, the dislike for each other, and the fans, you know, the same thing.
0: Right, right. Uh, I mean, you don't have the Red Wings to hate anymore, so who better to hate than a team that uh, has won absolutely nothing? <laughs>
1: <One> <laughs> was, they were a very overhyped and overrated team, and. When they made the Ryan Miller trade, I said that they were probably the you know, this was their all-in if you want to say, to win the Stanley Cup and I thought they were the better team you know, when you put them up against the Hawks at first glance, but then the injuries just added up for them and you know, injuries are a part of the game. The Hawks were banged up too. It's just in the end, I think it came down to leadership and you know, lack thereof on the Blues part, you know, it just seemed like they got frustrated and you know, that, that just leads to bad things in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I don't even know what to attribute it to because every time the Hawks play the Blues, I mean, they tried to go out there and just beat the piss out of the Hawks. They If they were going to go down, they were going to go down like a bunch of cement heads. And <laughs> you saw it a little bit in the series, but it's like they bought into the hype that everyone was – selling them you know you can't take stupid penalties you can't go running around like, you know like an asshole taking people's heads off in the playoffs because you know and and they bought it looks it sounded or it looked like they bought into it yeah and uh you know they got away from what the blues game is whatever horse shit that is but um i mean I mean, if you're going to do that all year long, you might as well keep doing it in the playoffs too, because that's how you got where you got.
1: I thought it was going to be similar to
0: uh, the
1: Hawks matchups with Vancouver all those years. You, you had just like the, just like with the Blues, Vancouver always tried to get under the Hawks' skin, and then if it didn't go right, the the Canucks seemed to unravel at times, and that's what the Blues kind of did when it, when I look at it, it just. They didn't have the mental makeup of a playoff team that was going to go deep in the playoffs.
0: No, and uh, you know we're we're going to see this throughout the playoffs. However, however many rounds the Blackhawks make it, is um, teams that are shallow and have little depth. Nope. Uh, the Blues didn't have a lot of depth, while they have several very good players. They also have a number of shitty
1: players you know i thought that even like uh, petrangelo and Bowmeester everybody on nhl radio was saying you know how that was like the best offensive pairing in the nhl and i always looked at it at it was jay bowmeester i i can't contribute him to be one of the best defensives in the nhl it just it was you know it never you know resent you know something that I would think of. It's just, it's Jay Bowmeister. The guy waited almost 500 games to get a playoff game. Yeah. It, just, it was just weird to sit there and hear that name be somebody who people were considering an elite defenseman.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's good. He's a good player. He's,
1: he's above average. I mean, yeah. he's probably, but I don't think he's one of those, you know, difference makers in a, on a team whatsoever. I mean, to me, he's Johnny Oduya. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely a he's a he's a, at best a third defenseman.
0: Yeah, yeah, three or four. Yeah, and I, and I, Bolmeister's got some speed and he's got a little bit offensive. But uh, I, I, give me Jamerson over Bowmeister at this point in time. He just gives you more. You know, you could throw Jamerson out there against any top player out there, and you know, Jamerson will hold his own. Bowmeister got roasted a few times.
1: I believe he was one, too, that got uh, burned on that Taves goal in uh, game, was it five? Yeah, game five. I think he was one of the defensemen that got burned on it.
0: Yeah, with the bad change? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was. Actually, he was out on the ice, because if you look at the, uh, I was just looking at the picture, Bo is standing right next to Ryan Miller. Yeah. After uh, Taves scored the goal. So, yeah, he was definitely out there. Uh... Good, good times, good times. But uh, yeah. just so
1: if people haven't seen that photo on on your on your page, yeah. of that guy with the face palm in
0: yeah. like third row, you yeah. need to look at it because it's fantastic. Oh yeah, it is great. The guy, he's just he's, he's got his mouth agape with <laughs> with the, his hand on his forehead, and then there's a guy like there's a guy like one row up, just a little to the uh, to the right. Both hands on his head. There's another guy on the far left. He's just like looking down sadly. (laughs) It's like, oh my god, this is just beautiful. You know, I want to blow it up and hang it on my wall. Yeah, that's
1: definitely a keeper. That photo.
0: That's one of those ones you want to print out when you know one of these days when they have a uh, Jonathan Tays uh, (laughs) signing, have him sign that so you can hang it up on your wall because it's just it's a beautiful
1: priceless. it is
0: priceless. It's a work of art. It really is. (laughs) It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yep. <laughs> anyway, I'll have to
1: show that uh, I got a couple of relatives in St. Louis. I'll have to show them that photo. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've got a couple friends that are blue, or one in particular who's a Blues fan, and uh, and I was I was ribbing him a little bit before the series, and the Blues went up quick two nothing, and uh, I didn't want to say anything, I didn't want to, uh, but yeah, uh, he was giving me a little ribbing after that when they went up two nothing in the series. and... When the Hawks came storming back, I, uh, I I just, I kept my mouth shut. I didn't want to jinx it. But, uh, and I haven't even said anything to him since they won the series because I know he's just salty, as can be. So I, I kind of left him alone at that. I mean, it, the loss is, is sting enough for him. Yeah. Take the high road. For sure. Uh, excuse me. Jeez. <coughs> oh, uh, let's see, game uh, that was game six, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, where the Hawks tried to give it away in the second, um, and then they opened it up in the third period. Really, uh, there was what four, three goals, four goals in the third period, something like that. I think it was four.
1: I think that was uh, Duncan Keith's best game. I think Quinville said it too. That was probably one of the best games I've seen Duncan Keith play as a Hawk. I mean, and I'm not a Duncan Keith fan either for some reason, but. I thought that was one of his best games he's played. He was all over the place.
0: Yeah, I mean he he just takes over games. He has that speed and that confidence and yeah, he can play can play dirty sometimes. But you know what? You're not going to sla- find he's a-, a
1: slashing machine according to Don Sherry.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you know what? There is not a player out there that you would go out and say is one of the elite players. Who doesn't have a little bit of a dirty edge to him at times? I mean, Gretzky used to, used to do stuff. He was, you know, Lemieux used to do stuff. Everyone has their thing. I mean, especially playing defense, being, a, being a, an elite player, playing defense. And Duncan Keita is not the biggest guy out there. But look how, how many years that Pronger was considered one of the best defensemen in the league. He was one of the dirtiest son of a bitches in the, in the entire league.
1: I think yeah, we we got a nice glance of that in 2010. But you know, if you were paying attention before 2010, you remember all those years he had with the Blues, and he just even then he had that just mean streak, and it was more of him just trying to intimidate you with that disgusting look he always had on his face That gap-toothed grin. It was like the it was like the Michael Strahan of the NHL almost.
0: Yeah, and people like Scott Stevens. I mean. You could go on and on and on. The, the list of players who have a you know a, a slight "quote unquote" dirty edge to them, you're going to find more players than not. There, you're not going to find too many players out there that are considered elite players that don't have a little bit of an edge to them, one way or another, whether it's sneaky or not. You know, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, absolutely. I mean, I think we're spoiled. We really are. Being a Blackhawks fan for you know and seeing the Blackhawks in, in so many different eras. You know, starting back in in the mid eighties with, you know, like, you know, Doug Wilson and uh you know, that whole crew back then and and uh Keith Brown and, and whatever, uh going on through, you know, Chelios and Suter and uh you know all the different eras of Blackhawks, we're really spoiled right now with what we have on the on, on the ice. And
1: Especially so, in a salary cap era too. That's that's the thing people forget.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean
1: these are, the, right now, the, the last five years, I'd say, with the Blackhawks, it's just, a, it's what uh, Quinville likes to use all the time, too. It's a special team that we're seeing right now, just based on how deep they are, how talented they are. But you know what? After all those years of sucking, we were, you know, we're, we deserve it almost. But, you know, I don't want to ever say you do deserve something like this. But, you know, especially rubbing it into fans of Edmonton right now because they've been sucking probably longer than the Hawks sucked in the mid-2000s.
0: Uh, yeah, you could say that again. I mean, and a lot of it, too, isn't necessarily anything but luck. The way they felt, you know, the players that fell to them in the draft, you know, in the rounds that they had. I mean, to have Kane and Taze, to have Taze where he, where they got him, I mean, it's a little bit of luck. If If you shift everything back a year or up a year, you may not have what we have today. So, you know, just it was all timing and uh, timing and a little bit of luck, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could look back at the uh, 2004 draft. Uh, you had Ovechkin and Malkin go 1-2, and then you had the Blackhawks select Cam Barker at number three. So,
0: by <laughs> how far the talent fell off in that draft. Wait, I have a little sum for that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a that was that, bit That's our Kim that's Barker recent. call right there. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I believe it was uh, the last game of the year, too. The Hawks had the chance, I think, to... Because I believe that was before the draft lottery happened. And uh, I think it was if the Hawks lost that last game, they would have had the first or second overall pick. And then Adam Monroe had to go and win the game and in, in goal for the Hawks. And it was just... that was like the absolute you know kicking the the nuts that you know you get the third pick and then the talent just fell off that far
0: I don't know that the talent it, it fell off as much as the Hawks just made a poor choice but I mean yeah it is you know in the draft a lot of it can be hit or miss unfortunately you it you know the the very early 2000s the Hawks missed a lot Yeah,
1: to say the least, yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, hey, we we wouldn't have such entertainment these days. Or names like, uh, you know, Mark Bell and Kyle Calder. The ABC line, man. The ABC line, yeah. And Cam Barker would not be one of our most famous footnotes now.
1: Yeah, that's one of my favorites.
0: I saw someone online, someone brought up uh, once again the letty for cam barker trade which they always seem to leave out kim johnson exactly seem to leave the, the corpse of kim Jansen. they always leave him out they actually got kim Janssen was more of a at the time was more of an asset than nick letty was no one knew what nick letty was gonna be
1: yeah letty was like the key down the road for the hawks and it was you know
0: right it wasn't, which ended up showing up like the next year yeah but uh yeah they, they lucked out on that, but someone brought it up, and I saw someone, well, can't you just let that go? That was four years ago. But it was so beautiful. You, had, yeah. you can't just let it go. I mean, uh, when you get a win that excellent, you can't just pass it up. You want to talk about
1: more draft busts really quick. Back in 2000, the Hawks had uh, the 10th and 11th overall picks and went with Mikhail Yakubov and Pavel Vorobiev. So...
0: You
1: know, like at, <laughs> yeah. 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 Swinging a miss on both of those.
0: More footnotes. Yeah. More, more footnotes. I was just talking to a guy uh we since we gotten into dra- to to draft bus and things like that. I was just talking to a guy that I play hockey with uh the other day and he was bringing up Jimmy Wait. Oh, man. <laughs> and and uh, one. <laughs> I certainly do not share the love for Jimmy Waite that this guy shared because <laughs> I was not a big fan of Jimmy Waite at all. I mean, the guy, he was he was way hyped. He was way overhyped. Granted, the, the Blackhawks had strong goaltending. I mean, you got Belfort, you had Hasek. I mean, you had some strong goaltending in the system and stuff. But um, Jimmy Waite, when he was given a chance to come in and do something, he didn't do a whole lot of anything.
1: No, it was definitely one of those... You know, all the hype, nothing to show
0: for it. And you would hear so much about him, too, because I remember, you know, I remember hearing, you know, Balfour came up, of course, and he was like, he came out of nowhere. No one expected him to do what he, what he did. And and then you hear these rumors of this, this this goalie, who was supposed to be the best goalie in the world, coming over from Europe. His name is Dominic Hasek, right? That's all we had heard. I mean, back then you didn't really have the Internet. You didn't know what it was. You just heard of this guy. That he was going to be coming over. Well, then Hashik came you know, Hasha came over and he played, you know, in Indiana. it was at the time it was Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Ice. And uh, you also heard you also were, were hearing about Jimmy Waite, who was another strong goaltending prospect in the Hawks' system. Well, of course, you know, they let Hashik go, which even at the time I wasn't so high on it, but I understand you gotta do what you gotta do. When you got two goalies of, of decent caliber. They they didn't get much for him though. Yeah. So it ended up being a complete shit show. But uh Jimmy Waite then came and was backing up uh Delfort. And he was nothing. He, he was nothing if he wasn't unspectacular. He was just a nothing. He was average at best, I guess.
1: He's an answer to a trivia question and oh that's about yeah. it.
0: Yeah. I mean, really, his brother was really a bigger asset than the Blackhawks than he was. Yep. So, but anyway, I don't want to get off on too far of a t- tangent. I just had to, since we were bringing up, you know, failed draft picks, I'm sure we could do oh, four could hours do a,
1: on that. Yeah, we could definitely do a whole show de- uh, devoted to that. Yeah, <laughs> Jack's <gilly>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't start, because I'll, I'll keep going then, <laughs> Igor Makarov.
0: <laughs> Oh, I love that guy, too. I thought he was going to be so good, but what did I know?
1: Yeah, he didn't want to play in Rockford.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll finish off uh, you know, game six, obviously. Uh, the Hawks uh, close out the Blues uh, with a, a big third period. Um, Nordstrom played that game. Uh, that was the first game that uh seed was scratched, which I was happy to see. Yeah, I
1: I was too. It's just, it's the time of year that you have to put the best lineup out there and who cares about people's feelings at this point. You know, Versteeg hasn't been playing that well and I had no issues with what uh, Quinville did. I did have an issue with the ice time that Bowling and Nordstrom saw that game because it was, uh, how would you say, minuscule at best, but, you know, it is what it is, you know. In the end, the Hawks got to win, so can't really complain too much.
0: Yeah, I did point that out too. The that that they had no, you know, really no ice time. I kind of let it, you know. I, it was a footnote, but other than that, I kind of let it because with, with the amount of penalty killing they had to do, even though they could have thrown Nordstrom out there on the penalty kill at this point in the season, they're not going to throw some guy who's been sitting on the bench, you know, been sitting up, not even on the bench, been sitting in. You know, the press box out there yeah. on, the, on, on the PK when they're just, you know, it's PK after PK after PK. They're going to throw their best players out there. I mean, you, you got, you know, hosts out there, you got Taves out there, you got, you know, the money guys have to go out there at this point in the year. You can't just throw someone out there, you know, like Nordstrom to I have. I do them.
1: have confidence, though, in Nordstrom to, you know, just give you a shift or two, you know, if you have the multi. You know, minutes of penalties that are adding up. I don't. I don't. I have the confidence in him to give you a solid shift and not make a mistake. So he has a nice insurance policy to have.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, he did show his immaturity at the beginning of the season. You know, I threw him out there in a penalty kill, and his first penalty kill, he was out there. I think he gave up a, a power play goal to Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, he's come, he's come a uh, he's come a ways. But, um, you know, again, at this point in the year, you've got to put your best players out there at all times. You know, you can't fool around. You can't say, oh, you know, we'll put Nordstrom out there, but, hey, if we give them a power play goal, so what at this point? You can't, yeah. you can't do it in the playoffs. Nope. Every minute counts. Every power, you know, every PK counts. Every power play counts. Every shift counts. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'll just write it up to the fact that, you know, it's playoffs. They don't want to put a rookie out there. Uh, you know, they don't want to throw them to the wolves right away. So, but, uh, you know, he did all right, you know, in the time he was out there. He didn't kill the Hawks. He kind of did a Sheldon Brookbank at the time. Just yeah. don't kill the Hawks, but, you know. Don't not, screw
1: up. Just keep y- it simple. Yeah, yeah. That's all you, ha- that's all you have to ask for exactly. from your role players at this time of year. Here's the puck. Don't screw up. Just do what we <laughs> tell you to do and then get off the Yeah, edge. Don't, don't treat the puck like it's a grenade either.
0: You know, just, you know, keep it simple definitely so uh that was nice uh you know the, the blues gone we can stop talking about the blues for another year thank god yeah because <laughs> i'm really tired of that team and its fan base really i mean
1: yeah, i the, i gotta make a road trip down there one time I, what i heard the, the fan base is just terrible
0: <laughs> yeah i uh i had a friend ask me if i wanted to go down there and uh See, I don't know, was it Game Five, I believe, or whatever, whatever game it was. It was on a Friday. I think it was Game Five. Yeah, but uh, I couldn't, I couldn't go. But uh, I would have liked to have gone for sure, because there's nothing like going down there and trolling some fans, especially St. Louis fans. I mean, you could you could always do the national thing, but it's not as fun to troll national fans as it is to troll Blues fans, because they're such, you know, it they're a whole nother level.
1: I really went are. to. I made the trip out to uh, Detroit last year for Game Six, and you know I got a pretty good, you know, pretty good uh, verbal abuse, I would say, from the fans. But you know, at the same time, I'm like, you know what? You're the Red Wings, and I'm just looking around at the banners. I go, I have nothing but respect for this team. It's the team that's further south in our division that I can't stand because they have won nothing, you know, and they have no reason to talk. So. Yeah, I mean, it would be, it'd definitely be interesting to, to go down to
0: St. Louis for a game. Yeah, and someone asked me, "Who'd you rather lose to? You rather lose the Detroit or you rather lose the Blues?" A hundred out of a hundred times, I'd rather lose the Detroit because at least Absolutely. they have history. They have earned respect. And while you hate them, you can at least you, you, respect them. And, yeah,
1: you, you respect. That's the rule I've always lived by with Detroit. You hate them, but you gotta respect the hell out of them for the way they conduct themselves and just the way they they play it's just I think Babcock is probably my favorite coach in the NHL it's just he knows what he's doing he demands you know respect from his players and everything and you know he's, it's just a well coached organization you know team and the organization has run fantastic too
0: yeah yeah. and he's probably going to win the Jack Adams this year based on what he did yeah so it's uh, but anyway Blue's gone good sayonara Beat it. Um, uh, and then bring on the unexpected uh, opponent of many. Uh, no one... and I I, don't, I didn't expect uh, Colorado to lose.
1: I, I did not either. I hit Colorado in six in that one, actually. Uh,
0: I mean, uh, while Colorado definitely, from the advanced stats perspective and everything, if you listen to the experts, Colorado was destined to flame out at some point in time but i didn't think it was going to be against minnesota (laughs)
1: they they were definitely a team that while you were impressed by what they did you also were waiting it's like all right when's it going to happen when's it going to happen and finally it did happen and i would agree with what you said i didn't think it would happen you know right away basically with uh against minnesota
0: no i mean the all year long uh the Avs had solid goaltending, and they were just a pain in the ass team. They really were. They had good young players, and they they seemed like they were they were just all in, not a care in the world. I mean, if we lose, we lose. What? No one's expecting anything out of us anyway. And they were just flying around the league, and they were torturing the Hawks.
1: Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely the team. The Hawks in the in the in the playoffs was Colorado, yeah. In the first round, first round, or not, you know, obviously in the second round too. That just that would have been a very difficult matchup for the Hawks, and they never play well in Denver. You call it the altitude, whatever you want. They just it's never been a good city for them to play in.
0: No, and and I was saying this the other day too. Um, the thing that Worries me most about Hawks opponents it is not a good team as much as it is a hot goalie. The Hawks can usually uh, persevere with you know they they can run with any team in the league. They really can, but when they hit a hot goalie, I mean that's what the backbreaker is. They could play a shitty team that has a goalie that's hot, and they will self they'll just fall apart once they can't they can't get a goal, they will just fall apart. I mean, mentally.
1: It's similar to you know, if our was definitely a goalie that had that that looks of somebody who could just be that hot goalie that, you know, in the playoffs that could steal a series, not just a game, a whole series. But then the other goalie that also I would say not necessarily fear, but who's like off the radar, I would say. But is Jonas Hiller, and it has to do with he's a right-handed catching goalie, and the Hawks never play good against a right-handed catching goalie.
0: Right-handed catching goalie is something that I'm very familiar with because I'm one of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I,
0: I have thrown off many a player by catching with the wrong hand. Um, you know. I worry more about Jonathan Quick right now at this point in time. There's too much chaos going on with the Ducks. I mean, uh, they have, you know, some injuries. They're, while they have very good first line and you know, an okay second line, their depth beyond that is crap. They don't have a lot looks of, like an AHL team, to be yeah. honest with you. I mean, Getzloff and Perry, good players, you know. And uh, they have some, you know, they have Cam Fowler, and they have a, a couple, you know, really good players, but the chaos that's going on in the net, with, you know, I've heard people say that they expect uh, when the when the Ducks finally get knocked out that uh, John Gibson will be playing <laughs> at that point in time. That's I kind mean, of shocking. Uh, yeah, it, there's too much chaos going in the in the net. I mean, yeah, Heller played a good, you know, he's played a good, decent couple games, but uh there's just too much you know if you haven't nailed down who your starting goalie is and you you can't just run with them through the playoffs then there's a problem there's there's a serious problem and and that's a team that that I want to face in the playoffs because as soon as you, you you rattle the confidence of the coach and the goalie and they start playing the you know musical chairs with you know what does that do to a team they don't know who's back there. They have no confidence in what's behind them. The coach has no confidence in it. The goalie's like, "Well, if I make one mistake, I'm going to get pulled." It's just—it's too much chaos going on back there.
1: I mean, the problem with me, me in Anaheim is the guy who's behind the bench. It's—it's it's similar. You know, St. Louis can't win in the playoffs, but I don't necessarily say it's because of Ken Hitchcock. You know, he does have a, a Stanley Cup to his resume. But Bruce Boudreaux has done nothing in the playoffs to even remotely sit, tell me that I would give Anaheim a chance to go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I picked them to lose last year in the first round. I thought they would get by Dallas, but I didn't think it would be as easy as people said it was. I said they went in six, and they did. And actually, Dallas did their best, uh, you know, giving them that game because they couldn't close a game. It was. It's almost like, you know... I just have no confidence in Bruce Boudreaux. If he can show me that he can get past the second round, maybe then I'll change my tone about the Ducks.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, it, it, I'm more worried about uh, L.A. at this point than I would be the Ducks. But yeah, they look like they're hitting their stride right now. Yeah, we're looking. I'm looking a little too far ahead here. But we'll get back to uh, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, they uh, shocked everyone. Uh, and uh, we were happy. <laughs> I know I was happy because I'm like, oh, Minnesota, we can feast on Minnesota. And to this point, we pretty much have. Uh,
1: <laughs> I would even say they, they've they done it, but and the Hawks haven't even played their best yet. That's the scary part.
0: No, they really haven't. I, uh, you know, they kind of hung in there, and it almost looked like they were bored. You know, they they get they they go up and then they get bored a little bit, they give up a goal or two, and then be like, all right, well now it's time to turn it back on again and they turn it back on and they close the game out. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the while Cory Crawford's gotta hold a minute while they get you know, they're running around in their own zone like chickens with their heads cut off and Chinese fire drilling it.
1: And huh? that's the uh, that's the one thing like when people say, you know, oh the hawks are dominating, you know, they're gonna sweep Minnesota, it's like, you know I don't necessarily think that they haven't reached that next level yet where they can take their game to, if they do that in game, you know, game three tomorrow night, I like their chances that end in the series short, but until they take that game to the next level, you know, I I say Minnesota, you know, still has a shot. And if there is one thing I do agree with Pierre McGuire on, which is this is probably the only thing I agree with him on is you're never in trouble until you lose on home ice. And it, uh, it's, you know, it's pretty much a, a good rule to live by. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Pierre has a lot to say, so.
1: Yeah. That's, of all the things that come out of his mouth, that's the only thing I could ever, I could say. Yeah, I kind of agree with him on that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, mini game one, Mini game one, what do we got here? I'm trying to think. Um,
1: That was the game Patrick Kane just absolutely took over.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That was, he had the highlight, uh, the highlight real goal with uh, Showtime, baby.
1: I think it was against uh, Spurgeon that he just made made look silly on that attempted defense.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, excuse me. I mean, Kane is a special player. He's, you know, one of the top two, three exciting players in the league that can make something happen. You know, he can impose his will on people, and, and, and when he wants to control the game, he can control the game, and he did. You know uh, that play. I, I think everyone that watched the play thought he was going to drop that pass behind him, and he and either he mishandled it and just recovered and said, "I'm just going to take it myself," or he pulled it back and said, "I'm going to take it myself." One where it, no matter what he did, no matter which way it was. Um, that was a beautiful goal. I mean, he just went right around and and to, to top shelf, backhand that shot right under the a, crossbar. A,
1: that was a fast moving shot from the ice to the top shelf. Yeah,
0: that was, a, basically,
1: saw. it was a good luck on trying to stop that Brzezajlov.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I read an article or uh, quote somewhere saying Brzezajlov thought thought he was going to cut in front, you know, cut across the crease, and he completely misplayed it. And uh, I, you know, I I don't think you can ever uh, guess what Patrick King is going to do. So, And he guessed wrong. <laughs> and now he's yeah. going to be part of highlight videos for the rest of this year and for years to come.
1: Yeah, that was definitely uh, that was one of those, you know, like to call it a special play by, by Kane. Yeah. Similar to the, uh, I believe it was 2010 against Vancouver, where he had that backhand goal on Lulongo from... It was just like a nice little move at center ice, and then he took an innocent wrist shot or a backhand shot and it was one also that you you see for you know a, that's gonna be a highlight of Patrick Kane's for the rest of his career,
0: yeah, and we can all say we say we watch it live yep <laughs> yeah so uh then uh shortly after that was uh Kane's second goal, which was uh again one of those plays where you're going to ask Ben Smith if he was really trying to tip it over to Kane.
1: And, and of and, course, Ben
0: Smith is going to say, oh, yeah, all day. Yeah, all day long. He may or may not have. But uh, he redirected a long shot from the point from, I think it was uh, Sharp, uh, redirected it just enough to, to hit Kane, who was standing on the back door wide open. Yeah, there wasn't a guy within five feet of him. No, that was two pretty, pretty real pretty goals uh, in a short period of time that uh, – I, the wild had to be shaking their heads after, you know, after all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Was um, the game one. Shaw was hurt. Uh, Clayton Stoner uh, hit him. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that hit. It just more looked like,
1: you know, bad luck on the whole positioning of the hit and whatnot. But
0: to me, it's, you know, it's just a playoff type hit. You yeah. Have no issues with it whatsoever. No, no. I mean, you get hurt. You get hurt in the playoffs. Yep. That's what happens. And, uh. While everyone seemed, you know, everyone thought it was an upper body injury, upper body injury. Though I having difficulty saying that, but why well, everyone thought it was an upper body injury, but it's it was actually a lower body injury, which I'm assuming is like an ankle. He may have twisted an ankle or something like that. So yeah, um,
1: possibly, the, possibly a knee. But you know, you know how great the NHL is without you know with our famous lower
0: and upper body injuries. So yeah. play that guessing game. Yeah, so he didn't play game two, and uh, right now he's not going. He, as of today, tonight, he was listed out out for game three. So we'll see. What, uh,
1: definitely, I thought, he, I thought he didn't even make the the trip to Minnesota, from what I heard. But he could make make it up there for game four because I think they got the extra day off between games three and four.
0: Yeah, yeah. Game four Friday, Friday, late Friday night. So they said he, he may meet them up there for game four, depending on how he's doing. So. Uh, we won't I think keep. that might
1: be, it might be dependent on what happens tomorrow night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to go out and say, uh, I've been pretty deep. I, I get pretty good with my productions, at least as far as the Hawks go everywhere else in the league, my predictions suck, but, um, <laughs> I have had a pretty good track record as far as the Hawks go. And, uh, I, I said the Hawks are going to win in six in uh, the first round and they did. And, uh, I was gonna say I went out and said the Hawks are gonna win in five uh, in this series, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do split in uh, Minnesota and then come back and win at home.
1: Yeah, which you know, your that should be the mindset of the Hawks too. Is just go into Minneapolis or St. Paul, whatever the hell you want to call it, and just you know have the mindset of. The, the first thing is to do is to get a split. If you get, get get both games, that's great. But just focus on winning one game, especially if you lose game three. You know, the mindset is, hey, win game four. You don't want to give the wild any more life than they, you know, than you need to.
0: No, no. So, uh, to, to what else we have? Uh, Nordstrom was in again. Um, the Versteeg missed the game. They said he was sick. He was supposed to start, and in the last minute Nordstrom was replaced him again, which I have no no complaints. again. Versteeg, if you sat him for the rest of the playoffs, I wouldn't care. So, Yeah, I, I don't think I would complain about that one either. No. Well, you know, we all want to see more out there. Um, you know, Nordstrom is a responsible replacement. He's not going to kill you. So anything but for steak at that point in time so we'll take that
1: i think it's more with nordstrom versus Warren is you know uh nordstrom's got the uh reputation of being a little more responsible defensively and you know i don't i'd rather have that over Warren, as well as jeremy moran's playing too and he was another one that's like this is the year you know show me what you got and he, for you know to his credit too he has done when he's been called up he has shown you know those flashes that you know you want to see from a guy like him but you know bottom line is you got to put the best lineup out there and you know i think right now nordstrom has that slight edge on him just because of the defensive reliability
0: yeah i mean none of them are going to get an extensive amount of time anyway um uh, we'll talk more about more you know uh, when we do the game two uh recap but um you know, they're not going to get a ton of ice time anyway. They're probably not going to make a whole lot happen out there. So, as long as they're not killing the Hawks or whatever. So, um, something we haven't really touched on much of is Brian Bickle.
1: Oh, the costly playoff performer, is that what <laughs> yeah.
0: you call him? Yeah. Um You know, I, I mentioned something, uh, you know, hey, if he's going to come around and he's going to be a playoff guy and he's going to be one of those guys that you don't see much of him all year long, but when the playoffs come around, he's a money guy, so be it. $4 million a year, I'll take it at this point in time. You know, playoffs are when, are when you know, salaries are made. and Hey, he's he's already on a better pace than he was last year at yeah. this time. And I didn't think he could repeat last year's performance at all. I didn't think he even come close.
1: To me, the only thing I'd like to see him change in the, the regular season is I just thought he tried to do too much. If he just, you know, keeps the game simple and, you know, plays his game and not tries try and play a game that really isn't his game, you know, then I won't have a problem with it. But when he's out there trying to make fancy plays, it's like, dude, it's not your style. Just go back to, you know, throwing your weight around. You know, he needs to be a f- physical presence on the team, so... I could take that from him in the regular season if he's going to play like this in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah,
0: and uh, he's been uh, my biggest knock on him earlier, earlier earlier on in his career was, you know, he was so confident in his wrist shot, and he's got a good wrist shot. He's got an excellent wrist shot. Uh, just ask Ilya Bryzgalov, but um. He's got an excellent wrist shot, but he he just relied on that so much, and he wanted to be that sniper in the perimeter. And like, listen, you're too big. You're too big to be. You know, you're not fast enough, and you're too big to be a perimeter sniper. You know what? He find someone finally had to have sat him down and said, "Listen, get in front of the net. Use your body. Post up." Don't let anyone push you around. Tip some goals in the net. Occasionally, you're going to get your chances on your two-on-ones, and and he de- and he has, and it's really worked out well that way. I mean, that's what he needs to do. When you get the chance on a rush, on a two-on-one or whatever, and you're doing odd-man breaks, sure, rip those wrist shots off because you're gonna you're gonna surprise some goalies. But when it's just you know power play or you're set up in the zone, get in front of the net, use your body, you know. You're bigger than most of the guys out there, and uh, he's finally doing that, so that's good to see.
1: Yeah, that I, I pretty much covers everything I would say about him, too.
0: So, I mean, yeah, hey, $4 million, how's uh, Ryan Klo and David Clarkson doing right now, and uh, Nathan Horton, so, yeah. you know, all those guys are making more than Brian Bickle, and Just well,
1: imagine if the Hawks would have went out and signed Ryan Cloe like those rumors uh, oh were God. out there. <laughs>
0: I didn't like Ryan Klo before any of that. You know, I, I,
1: I never saw the, you know, the good in him or the fit with the Hawks necessarily. You know,
0: I was never a huge Clarkson guy. I was never a huge Klo guy. I was never. Nathan Horton has his, his his moments, but he's always injured. So yeah, none of those guys are are guys that I would have went out there and said, "Hey, we got to have this guy." You know, we should go out there and sign this guy.
1: Yeah, those definitely. I think it was Horton and uh, Clarkson. Whereas, like when they got those big contracts, I was like, you know what? If that's what, really what they wanted, I don't want any part of it. You know, in Chicago, then that's just a that's a cap killing contract.
0: No, the Hawks. You know, while it's nice to have a little bit of size, they didn't need it. They uh, they've learned to play a game without having a lot of size out there. So. You know, that would would have just been a waste. It would would have been counterproductive to what the Blackhawks do. They're a puck possession team, and they use their speed to beat other teams. And uh, you put a slow, big, slow guy out there, Uh, you know, other than, you know, you got Bickle who, you know, grew up with the system and has has learned the system along the way and and learned to complement the speed players. You throw some guy who's never been in the system, uh, you're just asking for trouble.
1: That's the good thing about the Hawks too is they do have a lot of guys on the team that, you know, went through the system in Rockford and, you know, they they've been brought up the uh, quote unquote right way I'd say, you know, that the Hawks didn't go out and buy a team necessarily. They have all those guys that, you know, are pretty familiar with each other and that's always a good thing to have.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um but hey, Brian Bickle, playoff hero, back again. I'll take yep. it. I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it every day. Um Four, in a couple of years, when four million dollars doesn't seem like anything.
1: Yeah, I guess that's the thing you got to look forward to. Is you know, with the salary cap that's probably going to keep going up. It's probably going to look like a bargain in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe we won't be begging to to, to uh, unload Brian Bickle. Uh, let's finish off on game one. Uh, Danny Heatley i uh, i I I shouldn't even really give him the uh, the honor of talking about him but what a turd that guy is he's <laughs> such a, a gutless little prick uh, you know if if you didn't see the game well Seabrook uh made a play at the blue line and uh, was offsides sides. in a in a good couple of seconds after the play Danny Heatley knocked him down with a with a you know he really didn't have a chance to defend himself because the play was blown dead. And Danny Heatley knocked him down and then hit, basically hid behind the refs and ran for the bench after the play when Seabrook got him to go after him. He's just such a gutless little prick. I mean, it's, He probably learned it from the Alex Furrows and Max LaPierre school of
1: yeah. uh, acting like tough guys, you know?
0: It's just like, you know, at one point in time, Danny Heatley was a commodity in this league and he's not really anymore, but... He just, someone needs to knock his fucking block off. He, sorry. If, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he,
1: you're talking uh, probably, I, I believe they're talking about him being bought out this summer. So it's like, you know, by how far we've fallen with Danny Heatley.
0: Yeah, good buy him He can end up on Florida or something like that.
1: Yeah, you know they're going to have to spend to get to the cap floor. Yeah. Dale, tell and take him. You can have him. Yeah, uh, he's probably still trying to work out a trade for uh, probably get Versteeg back.
0: I don't know that. I, I don't know if
1: anyone's <laughs> going to want Versteeg after this. No, I don't. I don't either. I think I, that's the only positive for the Hawks is that they're not paying his full contract. Yeah, because if they were paying
0: his full contract, that's awful. Yeah, well, let's not get on him. I don't even want to get on him. Uh So yeah, game one, Hucks uh, Hucks, well, they didn't dominate. They, uh, they did enough to really bury the wild. Um, hey it's uh, it is what it is. It was fun to watch. I don't think any of us were really all that worried.
1: I mean, no, it was—it's was one of those games where that just it was, it w- definitely wasn't their best game, and to me the sloppiness, lazy play kind of showed with a couple of the, the too many men on the the ice penalty, and then Minnesota got a couple early breakaways where it's just the Hawks just like you said they they almost seem bored at sometimes and just you know look for things to do wrong and then people can nitpick like me and you on them about, but you know. Other than the, the sluggish play, I thought they were all right. They were good enough to win. Nothing spectacular.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, other you know, other than the Kane goal, of course. But yeah, you know, that was when Kane said, "All right, that's fine. Uh, you guys tied up the game, and uh, now I'm going to take over. I'm going to win the win the game for us, and then we can go home." So that's basically what happened. It's like you know,
1: it's that whole, uh. What do you call the the whole thing about like your star players need to be your star players at times and you know for the most part Taves was you know was that guy and then in game one Kane took that honor and was you know the dominant player in the third period
0: yeah um I guess we'll just uh, move on to uh, Sunday's game um you know the Hawks uh. Again, they were kind of underwhelming uh they didn't do anything you know super spectacular um but uh they only give up one goal uh Crawford's was really good again um let's see uh for the first time uh this year our our little buddy uh Brandon Bullock sat. <laughs>
1: That was that uh, that uh, party music that we all heard. You know, we were throwing a party because he was finally a healthy scratch.
0: Well, that was you know there. Was, I don't know that it's been exactly clear whether he was a healthy scratch or that he was sick this time. I have heard some people say that he was sick. I would rather it be that he was a healthy scratch and that they were unhappy with him. But I said I, thought,
1: I, I, could, I could have been it could be mistaken, but I thought I heard not. Uh, Quinville say that it was a coach's decision, so I'll lead to the whole healthy scratch conspiracy, whatever you want to call it. But
0: Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. And then I, I did see a quote today where Quinville said he wants to see a more out of bowling. Uh, I don't think there's much more to see, to be honest with you. <laughs> that was my reply. If, if he's going yeah. to see more out of bowling, he's going to be waiting for a long time.
1: Yeah, I don't think we have the patience to, to wait that long. Well,
0: we better have patience because he's got his extension.
1: Yeah, I had to run out, you know, because we know all new teams would be lining up at Bolick's doorstep to sign him this summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like Carcillo that one year when he, he
0: he ran out and signed him before. It's like, what's your rush? There's not going to be people lining up for his services. Yeah, they they, they re-signed him in, like, March after he'd yeah. blown his knee out. I mean, uh, whatever.
1: I thought they did that too early with Emery
0: that after, during his first
1: year. It was like all right, you haven't really seen what he could give you the whole year, but, you know, whatever. It worked out the next year. That's all that matters, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Bullock sat. Uh, you, uh, you had uh, Nordstrom in, Warren played. Didn't really do a whole lot of anything because he was playing Bullock's minutes, which are surely breaking a sweat minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you barely warm. And, uh, you know actually, uh actually, now that we bring that up, I did see a uh, – photo on the Hawks site of Bowling coming out for warm ups. So he did dress and come out for warm ups and then they scratched him. That's mm-hmm. always the, the fun thing. Uh,
1: thank the coach. Yeah make, thanks for making me take warm ups and then you scratch me. Really appreciate that one. But you know like Winville said, you gotta see more out of him but I, I really don't see what there is more that you want to see out of bowling right now. At least this year. You know, maybe you know, maybe over the summer he works on some things and next year he's a different player but I think you have what you you know, you got what you got right now with him for the rest of this year. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you you can say that again, that's for sure. And it's like I said, it's not much. Yeah. Uh <laughs> um Bickle again, uh first he had an uh he had that goal where uh just previous kid beat Bruce Galloff, uh glove side. Rang it off the crossbar, um, and then came down a couple minutes later. Other side of the ice, beat got off again, glove side, just under the uh, just under the crossbar for a goal. Yeah,
1: those were two really well placed shots. Those would be difficult for any goalie to stop.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we, well, I mean,
1: being I goalie, think, think Rizgalla's been pretty good, you know, for the most part for the Wild. I mean. The save he made on Hosa on that breakaway yesterday was phenomenal, to say the least. He caught a bad bounce with the way it bounced up in the air, and credit to Taze for crashing the net. But that, you know, that, for the Hawks, that sets the tone, too, that, hey, look at your captain. You know, he's always willing to take a hit to, to score a goal, you know, crash the net. And, you know, good things happen when you go to the net, like Eddie O says.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. I didn't, uh, you know, I'll give a guy credit where it's due, and that was a beautiful save he made. He was, he, was, he was juked out of his jock, and he was still able to get his toe over enough to get a piece of that shot. And unfortunately, I mean, you can't fault him for, for that goal going in. No. The way it popped off, I mean, you're, you're... Rizgalov needs his forwards that are racing back to make a play, help him out, tie up Taves, do something.
1: Take a penalty. I mean, that's one of those where if the guy takes a penalty, you really don't mind it because then you're, you know, you're denying the opportunity of your goalie's down and out after that, making that kind of a save. So it's like you know, either you could give them the open net on a rebound chance to score, or you could take the penalty. And I mean, you're still you know, not guaranteed the, the Hawks won't score on the power play, but you know, I think in that instance, you'd rather actually see them take a penalty and then. Yeah, that's one of those where like the, the team doesn't mind killing off, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that was a good point to bring up, um, which is actually uh, you know while while we're on the subject, I was bringing it up this morning, and you know, <clears throat> unfortunately, it, uh, uh, with my current situation, uh, I have to uh, my commute is changed and everything, so um, I listen to sports radio in the morning, which is going to kill me because <laughs> it's terrible. The sports radio is just terrible. It's terrible, terrible, terrible. Everything is terrible about it. But, you know, it's something to listen to other than just the same music over and over and over again. So it gives me a little bit of variety. But I'm listening to Molly and Handley this morning talking about how Briz Galoff is their sixth goalie, sixth-string goalie, which is not. I mean, at it, it, the worst, he'd be their third-string goalie. Um, yeah. yeah, I
1: heard that, too, about before the C, uh, series started – people are talking about oh how Burgalov wasn't even in the NHL you know it, I don't necessarily think it was because of his play I mean granted he was he was not very good in Philadelphia but you know for a team like Edmonton you know they they had what they had and then you know obviously the Devin Dubnik isn't wasn't the answer in Edmonton so it's like Bur was a good insurance policy and it's kind of unfortunate the way that him and even Darcy Kemper are being thrown into the situation, but you know, they're making the most of it. And, you know, I, I would totally disagree with what Molly and Hanley said. I don't think that Priscale has been the problem. Zach Parise was a minus three yesterday. I mean, he's supposed to be one of your best players on the wild and, you know, in a, in a game like that, I don't necessarily think you want him being a minus three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, well, again, like you said, Brzezgalov has not stood on his head. He's not done a ton to win games for them, but he hasn't done anything to really lose the games for them either. Yeah, he's I just wouldn't kind say of he's been, lost them anything, you know. No, he's just been kind of, you know, vanilla. He um, wasn't
1: very good in the beginning of the, uh, the Colorado series, but, you know, with what happened to him in, I believe it was Game 7, having to go in... In the middle of the third period was that's one of the most difficult things to do in sports I mean you're talking about you're asking a goalie to come in who's been on the bench for fifty out of the you know fifty minutes and just say, "All right, go in and have no warm up whatsoever yeah it, it, that is one of the most i think that that's one of the most overlooked things in sports. Even on the sidelines, a backup quarterback is throwing the ball around, getting reps in. You're asking this goalie to just go in cold. It's it's just – I think that, that uh, the position of goalie in, ho- in hockey demands more respect, and I don't think it gets it all the time. No, it doesn't. Well, of course. But, of course, we're going to be biased yeah. on this situation. Yeah, there's two goalies sitting right here yeah. talking.
0: So, yeah, I, you're not going to get an argument out of me there, but uh, that was – Something that just aggravated me this morning when I was listening to it, you know, you can't throw it on, you cannot throw it on the goalie. Out. You know, the Hawks are a better team, they're a deeper team, they're a faster team, um, and, you know, if Backstrom was in there, the games are still, the Hawks are still going to get way better chances. So Yeah, there's
1: no d- just, uh, doubting that the Hawks are definitely a more talented team. But the Wild, to me, they're just a hard-working team, and they're going to make the Hawks earn it. And they're just a team that, you know, you should respect them. And if there's one thing that, you know, we could learn in Chicago recently, if you're a basketball fan, the Chicago Bulls, all everyone talked about was, oh, the second round, we don't have to face Miami. And they completely overlooked Washington and what happened to them. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's the thing. You know, I know we talked about L.A. and Anaheim earlier, but I don't necessarily think we were getting ahead we where, you know, we both know what Minnesota's deal is. It's they, they demand respect, and if you're not careful, you know, they're a team that could jump up and bite you. Yeah.
0: Luckily, we have, you know, a team here that's won two Stanley Cups, and or won Stanley Cup twice in uh, the last four years, so they're well aware of, uh, you know, not taking their foot off the gas too much.
1: You got the guys that, you know, the, the leadership in the locker room, you know, They know what it takes. They've been there before. So, you know, that's definitely another advantage to the Hawks. And, you know, I think, like, they were saying all the right things after game two. You know, definitely what Crawford said, you know, you got to shore up some things, got to be better. And, you know, I think they will be better, too, in game three. It's just, you know, it's definitely you're winning ugly, as I would say, the first two games. But in the playoffs, I'll take the win. You know, it's the first of four. So, you
0: know, that's all that matters. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Brandon Saad finally broke his scoring drought. Um, you know, while the while the goal was, uh, it looks like it was deflected off of a pre say, stick. Hey, a goal is a goal.
1: Yeah. Oh, won't be uh, too critical of if the puck goes in the net nowadays. You yeah, know?
0: yeah. i uh, just uh, go through my uh, my recap here. Yeah. Um, That's, I mean, really, that's about it for that game. I mean, the Wild only had one goal. Yeah,
1: I thought with that game yesterday is like, you know, you saw in game one, you know, Patrick Kane came, you know, stood up and, you know, put the game on his shoulders, you know, I guess you could say, and, you know, was that difference maker in the third period, whereas yesterday you had the role players standing up and Bickle and Saad and, you know, even – I know he's a star player, but Hosa, you know, he took his turn being the star player to sta you know, take his game to the next level. And that's what you need right now in the playoffs this time of
0: year. Yeah, that is an excellent point too. Hosa, two three-point games in a row, very quietly. Uh, Hosa's, you know, just under the radar. He's 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 having himself an excellent playoff.
1: Another guy who, you know, got all the jokes of going to the Stanley Cup, you know, two years in a row and losing both years. But, you know, bottom line is the guy knows how to win and he knows how to be a leader. And, you know, you can't discount that on, you know, this time of year. Yeah. And that sounds like a broken record Keep saying this time of year, but that's that's what it is. And, you know, people just need to, to realize, you know, it's, it's the leadership and then you need your role players. They're just as important as your star players.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so – uh, that's where we stand. Hawks up two nothing in the series, heading back to Mini, uh, mini uh, tomorrow, I believe. Right? Yeah. Yesterday or Tuesday. Tuesday night at eight. Yeah, Tuesday night, um, and then they will be playing Friday night. Uh, I believe at eight thirty start.
1: Yeah, they, they just announced that one at, uh,
0: for an yeah. eight thirty start. And I'm assuming if there's a game uh, game five, it'll probably be Sunday, maybe. Sunday afternoon, maybe they'll they'll get an NBC game or something like that. Um, so that's that's what we're at for here. Um, uh, really, um, I don't know if you got any uh, if you got anything else you want to bring up, but I think we covered just about everything at this point.
1: Yeah, we uh, yeah everything. Yeah, yeah, just about covered everything I wanted to cover. So uh, you yeah. know. Cool. Um, Looking forward to games three and four in Minnesota. It should be a should be a fun two games. That's one of the best buildings to you know watch a hockey game from on TV. So yeah. uh, I, hopefully one day I can make it up there for one of those. So
0: yeah, that would be nice. So I guess uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, again, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Um, you can see or you can read Patrick's tweets at, uh, at Patrick underscore Stankis on Twitter. And you can see Patrick's uh, musings, writings, whatever, uh, on PuckRant.com. Um, me, you can you know where to find my stuff at Puck and Hostel, uh, PuckandHostel.com. Um, also, uh, I don't want to leave out our fine sponsor, Black and Tan Sports good friend of mine, uh, all your jersey needs, you can find them on com slash black and tan sports, I believe it is. Um, and then we'll probably reconvene in a couple weeks. Uh, hopefully, uh, Hawks will be in the middle or, middle of the next round.
1: <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> the way the, with the NHL schedules things, it'd probably just be the, starting the conference finals.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, We'll get out of here, and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to another episode. And uh, we'll catch everyone later.